Yeah, it's uh, great to be you. I want to give you actually a little heads up. In about 10 minutes, we're going to be standing up again, and there will be some worship. Just so you're ready, so you don't relax too much. All right, so keep that tension. Hey, um, yeah, it's, it's great to uh, actually have the privilege to uh, close our, our Psalms, Summer Psalms message series. And I don't know about you, but I've been tremendously blessed every week by what um, my colleagues have shared. And I, I, I've been actually thinking about these things throughout the week. They've been coming back, and they've been blessing me and encouraging me. So I hope you, you uh, experience the same thing. When, when I was in seminary to study to be a pastor, there, there was a season where I realized that I didn't worship God very much. It was actually quite shocking. Now, I didn't do that intentional, and, and for the longest time, I, I wasn't even aware of it. But one day, I had an assignment in, in one of my classes, and the assignment was to jot down key moments of my spiritual journey. And so I sat in my room, I started reflecting on all that God had done, and I started writing, and as I was doing that, I was suddenly overcome with a deep sense of awe and gratitude of God's work in my life. And, and as I was looking back, it was amazing to see how God had provided for me and how he had guided me and how he blessed me every step of the way. And as I was sitting in, in that room by myself, tears started filling my eyes and I started praising God and telling him how thankful and grateful I was for what he has done in my life. Now, this, this was significant for me because I had been going through a dry season. I'm sure you can relate to that. We, we all go through them sometimes. But the, the Holy Spirit worked through that exercise in the class, and he renewed me. And he gave me the desire to worship God again. And that was powerful. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, and even, even to this day, I have different seasons in my life of praising and worshiping God. There's times when I praise God a lot and where it just flows out of my heart and, and where it's very clear as to who God is and what he's doing in my life. And then there's other times where there's only praise, it's very sparse. It's far and in between. But here's the thing. We always have reason to praise God. Now, maybe we're going through difficult things, and, but even in those difficult moments, we have reason to praise God. Now, perhaps we're not thanking God for the trials or the challenges that we're facing. But nonetheless, God is good, and there's things that we can praise Him for, and He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of it. And so today, as we're coming to this final message in a Summer Psalms series, I want to reflect with you together on where are you on your spiritual journey right now when it comes to praising and worshiping God. Are you right now in a season where there's very little praise and it's been difficult and it's been hard to praise God? 
Or are you in a season where, where the praises are, are coming easily off your lips? And so we're going to look at Psalm 66. And as we walk through the Psalms, we're going to look at two things. One, what does it say about why do we worship God? Now, why, 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 why do we do that? And then secondly, how is the Psalm inviting us to renew our desire to worship God again? And perhaps in a deeper and in a new way. So we're going to walk through the psalm section by section. We're actually going to look at the whole psalm. And so let's start in verses uh, 1 through 4. It says, Shout for joy to the God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praise to you. They sing praise to your name. So our psalm is a call. It actually literally calls us to shout uh, our praises to God. And it also tells us about what our praises are supposed to be like. They're not supposed to be mediocre. They're, they're not supposed to be half-hearted. Yay, God, woo, thank you. No, verse 2 tells us, sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. And what that means is our praise needs to match the person that we're worshiping. No, God is and his works that he does in our lives. They're majestic, they're awesome, they're amazing. And so our praise needs to reflect that. Just think of a, a band performing or an orchestra performing. If the performance is poor, you know, people are like, eh. But if they do an incredible job, you know, we're so moved and we cannot help ourselves to clap and to cheer and if it's appropriate in that setting, we might even cheer, encore, encore, encore. We want more because it's so amazing. Now, in a, in a similar way, our worship and praise it needs to match who God is. It's the only appropriate thing. You know, God is our creator. He's our provider. He, he's the one that loves us, that takes care of us. He's also a redeemer. Earlier we celebrated communion. We remember what Jesus has done for our sake. Lay down his life on the cross so we can be forgiven and have new life in him. So our, our praise needs to be, be fitting of, of who God is. But in verse 3, we're actually given a little bit more instruction on what, what do we actually say in our praise and worship. It says, Say to God, how awesome are your deeds, so great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. We're, we're told to, that we praise God that we, for his works, for what he does. And we tell God what he does. That's, that's part of our praise. We tell God what he has been doing. And so actually, throughout this message series, 
We've had various pastors praising God, telling you and telling God what he's been doing in our lives. You know, how he has met us, how he's provided citizenship and, and flats <laughs> and taken care of our families and how he has not put us to shame when we place our trust in him in deep, difficult circumstances. So we tell God, we praise you for that, we worship you, we thank you for that. So we acknowledge and recognize who God is and what he has done in our lives. And it flows from that, that, that recognition and us seeing what he does. Now, a lot of times you lose track of that. I think that's what happened to me in seminary. I lost track of what God was doing and who he was. It's kind of weird when you're studying, right, to be a pastor, and you lose track of that, but it happens. But the Holy Spirit... Re revealed to me and showed me a new, you know, God's work in my life, which led me into praising him. And then I told him what he did. In verse 4, it says, All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praise to your name. Actually, this is a response to verse 1. In verse 1, it says, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. And now all the earth has responded. And it gives God worship and praise. That's, that's the only appropriate thing that this world can do. But the statement actually also uh, in, involves the worship, the, the Hebrew word for that, involves bowing down with our bodies. It literally means bow before God's majesty. So with our bodies, we're called, the world is called to acknowledge who God is. But then not only that, we're also meant to sing it with our voices. So with body and with voice, we worship God with our whole, basically with our whole being. That's what that means. With our whole being, we're meant to worship God with our lives, the lives that we live. But there's also a prophetic dimension to that statement in verse 4. It says, all the earth worships you. It means that's for one what should be, but it's not right now. But one day all the earth will worship God. And that is certain because of who God is. It's certain because God will accomplish his purposes for this earth. And if, if we recall in the New Testament, if you're familiar with that, in, in, for one, Revelations, you know, pictures a multicultural, multi-ethnic scene of worship, of the world praising God, people from all tribes, tongues, and nations. But then in Philippians, in the book, a uh, letter that Paul wrote, it also talks about that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there will be no denying of that. Amen. And so, the one of the things that we learn in this passage is we worship God for the works that he does in our lives. And, 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 we, and we praise him. And the, the, the book of Psalms, it's the worship and prayer book for the community of faith. And so we were called to praise and called to remember this thing so that it leads us into worship. So as, as we keep going through this, just remember that this is an invitation for us to be refreshed and renewed and in who God is and what he, 
how he wants to lead us back into the praise and seeing who he is. So right now I want to ask the, the worship team to come up. And I actually want to ask you all to stand. And I want to invite you to, that we give God worship that matches who he is. Now that doesn't mean necessarily being loud. You know, you can bow with, within your heart before God. So I just want to encourage you to not worry about, you know, who's around you and if somebody dances or doesn't dance or raises their hand or doesn't, but just come to God right now and just tell him how awesome and how amazing he is. So let's do that right now. thank you that you are the creator who has created us. We thank you that you are the one who cares about every one of us, who watches every step that we take and who meets us in times of need and delivers us. And Jesus, ultimately we thank you that you have died and that you have risen again and that in you we have new lives. 
and we praise you for that. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, worship team. So let's continue. In Psalm 66, verse 5, it says, Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him, who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. So now the, the details of God's awesome work get unpacked in the psalm because God works concretely in our lives. You know, this is not just some abstract concept or thing. God works personally. He works in history, and he works individually. And so now Israel is recalling, the psalmist is recalling this, the biggest event up until this point, which is the Exodus. So the story is basically this. Israel was enslaved by the Egyptians. And God, through Moses, led his people out of Egypt. But then Pharaoh decided to come after them. And so as Pharaoh came after them, suddenly the Israelites found themselves stuck between Pharaoh's army and the sea. And their situation looked desperate. But then... We're told in verse 6, he turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. God did a miracle. He delivered his people and freedom from Egyptian oppression. Now, this is also a very significant statement about who God is. Because during that time, Pharaoh was actually considered like a semi-god or a god. And so what this says is that God is the only one who is truly powerful and that no one can stop his purposes and his plans and that whatever he has planned for his people will come to pass. No one can stop him. And so we can be confident of that too, that God will unfold his purposes that he has for us in our lives, in our community's lives, in the city's life. And we can be confident because God is, is creator. He's the only God. So then next, the, the psalm actually records how the Israelites praise God. In the end of verse 6, it says, There did we rejoice in him. Again, it's this act that leads his people right in that moment. It, you, you have to rejoice. You cannot ignore what just has happened. And so they praise God. And actually, if you read Exodus 15, it talks about that they sang a new song. So they made up a, a new song with new lyrics about what just had happened. And it praised and it honored God. And through this recounting of the, the Exodus story, and uh, we, we can see, you know, God's work in our lives. And it and it encourages the community as it recalls this event and recalls also new events. And we're also encouraged when we do that, when we recall how God has been working in our community's lives 
today, uh, before the 9 a.m. service, 9.15 service, and also before the 11 a.m. service, I heard two testimonies of God working. One of them had to do with God, uh, somebody whose employer has not allowed them to come back to church. And we, we were asked to pray for that. And so we've been praying for that. And today, that person was here. So praise God. And the second thing was another person that shared with me uh, last week. We prayed for something, and this week the prayer was answered. I'm not going to go into detail. But, but we need to share these testimonies with each other because God is at work. He's at work in our life. He's at work in this community. We often lose sight of that. We forget that or we, we, we struggle to trust that, that God is powerful to act and to move. So, and we need to do, say, come and see. This is an invitation our worship is an invitation every week to come and see who God is, to remember who he is. I, as I was preparing this, I was reminded of a, a friend a long time ago. He, he enjoyed my worship music. He, he didn't have a Christian background, a German friend. And so I ended up, this is like in the Stone Ages, I ended up giving him some CDs. <laughs> and, and they were, at that time, that was really precious. Um, but it was a come and see thing because the songs they sang about, you know, God and who he is and what he has done. So it invited my friend to come and see who God is. And in a, in a very long process, not just through that, he ended up becoming a Christian. But that's a long story for another time. So the second thing that we learn about praise is when we praise God for his rescuing work in our lives, it is an invitation for others to come and see and learn about the awesome works of God and to join in and praise Him. So let's uh, continue with the third stanza of the psalm, continuing in verse 8. It says, Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of His praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our heads, on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. You went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. So in verses 8 through 9, we're called to praise God because he protects us and, and, and guides us. He preserves us and keeps us. And I, and I love this, that it talks about and has not let our feet slip. Every step that we take, God watches over us and he does not let our feet slip. He, he preserves us. Now, if you look at that, initially you might think, oh, then the whole Christian life is easy. You know, there's never a hard time, but that, that's why there's that second part that shows that it's not always easy. And the life of the people of God has not always been easy. And the life of Israel, which there's some references uh, to, to their suffering and, and, and their trials, it hasn't been easy. But let, let's look at verse 10, which unpacks that a little bit. It says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. So there's times in our, our, our lives uh, where it's, Things are going well, and it's easy to praise and to worship God. 
and maybe recording scriptures and doing all sorts of things. <laughs> but then there's times when you go through trials. What about then? Do we, do we praise God during difficult times? So here it says those, those trials are also times of testing. They're times of testing of what's in us. You know, what kind of faith do we have? So it's this uh, it's metaphor of, of uh, tried us as silver is tried. So it talks about smelting and you heat up the silver and all the impurities and the, the dross that comes out. It's revealed through that heating up process. And just our trials are that way. They reveal what's in us. And they bring out the impurities, maybe some, some sinfulness in our lives, but maybe also where we hold on to things, where we place our trust in other things. Maybe we trust in our money, maybe we trust in our health, maybe we trust it in our position. But in, in those trials, we realize they don't deliver. <laughs> they don't deliver. It's only God who delivers. And so, so these times of tri trial, they expose those things in us, and God uses that to strengthen and to deepen our faith. And he also does that to strengthen our character, to work his character into our lives, that we reflect his character more. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty confident that for me, times of trials have been, I mean, they have been very difficult and painful, but they've also been the times where I've learned in the deepest way, who God is. And because of what I've gone through and because of things you've gone through, we are more confident now when things come up because we know who God is, because he has met us in difficult times and we can face them because through those trials, God has strengthened our faith. So the psalmist recalls these trials and he actually goes into detail of them. He, it says in verse 11 and 12, you brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. So these are all metaphors of things that Israel went through. Uh, they were hunted, like somebody hunts animals with a net. They went through forced labor. Their country was run over by other armies. And then they also had to escape fires and waters. So they have gone through trials. They have known it. They have known them. But then the end of verse 12 tells us, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. But God has met the people of God. He, he has kept their foot from slipping. Yes, those times, those trials, they have not been easy. And they've been very painful, even just as you see in those metaphors. But God has brought them out to a place of abundance. He has not abandoned them, and neither does God abandon us. He also brings us out into places where we can flourish and places of blessing. And for, for me, throughout the Summer Psalms uh, message series, I was so encouraged you know, by the stories shared by, by Pastor Carla, Pastor Promise, Pastor John, you know, the testimonies of how, how God had cared for their family, had provided for them when, when they couldn't do it out of their own strength. 
So God takes us through, the tri through these trials, but he does, he's with us, and he preserves us, and he does bring us to places of flourishing and, and, and of his goodness. So the third thing that we learn about praising God is that we praise God for his work both in our suffering, but also in our abundance. And we praise God that he is always with us and he doesn't leave us. He's with us every step of the way. So then let's look at the final two stanzas of the psalm. In verse 13, we'll continue. It says, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Now, what's, what's this about? Put very simply, here's a person that found themselves in difficult circumstances, and they told God, God, if you help me, if you deliver me, I promise you, I will bring you worship through burnt offerings. I will go in your temple and, and praise you. And this has now happened. So this person's on, on their way to do that. And, and then afterwards, that person shares a testimony. So let's look at that. Verse 16, it says, Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. And I, and I, and I love this. The, the individual, the, the person, you know, he has experienced God's deliverance. And he's like, come in here. I have to tell you about it. Come, everybody, get together. Let, let me share with you what God has done. And so he calls them together. And it's a very, he shares very simply. It doesn't always have to be this fancy, long story. The testimony is, I cried out to God, and God heard my prayer. And so God, he works through the testimonies of the, the community. And we need to actually share when we experience God working in our lives. When we experience God answering our prayers, we need to share that. Because God wants to encourage each other. He wants to encourage us. And he also wants to lead us in the uh, praising God. I remember, again, through this sermon series, I mean, I was praising God for what he had done in my colleague's life. And it was amazing. So even you sharing your testimony, your, your story of God, how God has worked, you know, God can use that to encourage others, but also lead them into praising God and to renew their worship of who God is. Because we lose constantly track of who God is. We're like the, the sheep that always gets lost. <laughs> but I want to touch on two things. Uh, the first one is, simply the act of coming to God and, and entrusting to him what's going on and, and praying and asking him to provide, that actually is also part of our worship. Because we're acknowledging that God is able to help. 
And we might not even be that confident in that. Maybe we just have very little faith. But God can work with very little faith. You know, and that honors God when we, when we take that step. So for some of us here today, maybe this is the step for you that you need to take. Maybe you've kept things to yourself, but actually God is inviting you to come and bring that to him. And that is your worship, just to entrust them with what's been going on in your life, in your heart. The second thing is, uh, verse 18, it says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't use the word iniquity very much. <laughs> do, do you use that in everyday conversation? No? It's like, hey, um, how's your iniquity? <laughs> how's that been going? Um, what, what does that mean? Well, if I, that, 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 that phrase means basically finding pleasure in our sin and not wanting to let go of it and delighting in it. And it's, it's, it's basically a heart that is not repentant, that doesn't want to repent, that just loves whatever that thing is that we're clinging to, that sin, it just loves it too much and takes pleasure in it. And so if we cling to sin, we cannot cling to God. If we just keep hold on, holding on to that and delighting in that. And so here we learn that uh, whether we're committed to God actually impacts the effectiveness of our prayer. If we're not committed to God, you know, we, we don't have any ground to expect God to answer our prayers. Now, God in His grace, I think a lot of times does. But we don't, have, we don't stand on any, any ground to expect Him to answer our prayers. He answers the prayer of His people, those who are committed to Him, who are faithful to Him. And this is not about perfection. This is trajectory. You know, if you're committed to honoring God, and that's the path you're on, like, we still a lot of times don't do it, but, but that's, nonetheless, that's the journey we're on. But if you're delighting in your sin, you're on a totally different path, like if you don't even want to let go. And so God answers the prayer of his people, those who trust him and who walk with him. And so the psalmist then encourages us with that. And so perhaps for, for some of us today, Maybe that's the thing that, that God wants to speak to us, where, where we need to let go of something that we've been holding on to, something that we've been treasuring in our heart, but that God is asking us to repent of and to let go. So if that's you, I, I want to encourage you to do that. And when we do that, that also is an act of our worship, of acknowledging that God is worthy of us giving ourselves to him. And then at the end, there's a testimony of an answered prayer um, and an affirmation of God's steadfast love. You know, God is committed to us. He loves us. And he wants us to know his love. He wants to show it to us. It's a covenantal love into his people. And he wants to make that known. And the person that experienced God's love, and he declares that love that he has experienced God's love. So the first thing that we learn about praising God is that, that we praise God through our personal testimonies of his provision. And it blesses others, it encourages others, it speaks of God's love for us and encourages us to do that as well, to come to God in prayer and to experience for self what God is able to do. So let me summarize uh, 
some of the highlights that I've shared so far about why we worship. Uh, first, we praise God for his awesome works. Because God does awesome and amazing works in our lives. And, and the only appropriate response is to give him praise. And then second, we praise God so that others can come and see who God is. And that they can be encouraged and that they can get to know God. And then third, we praise God also what he does, how he brings us through times of trial. You know, that he's with us every step of the way. That he doesn't let our feet slip and that he brings us out of the trial onto solid ground, into a place of abundance. And then finally, we praise God and encourage others through our personal testimonies. Now, this psalm is, is given, you know, to the community, as I mentioned earlier, it's part of the prayer book, the worship book of Israel. And it's really meant to make ourselves reflect on God's goodness in our lives, just like he's been good in Israel's life and in his individual's life. A lot of times we don't even notice what, what God has been doing in, in our own lives, in our own community's lives. So this is an invitation today for us to reflect on God's goodness. And, and it also calls us to praise God. So it's also a call for us to give God that praise that he deserves. And, and for me, the sense for today as I was praying over the message was really that God wants to renew our worship. You know, a lot of us have been going through dry seasons. And there's been maybe even an absence of experience of God's presence. And God wants to renew that and he wants to restore that and he wants to refresh us. As I was praying, I had an image of a, a display of a phone. And on that phone, you know, you have the battery thing, and the battery was empty. And I, was, I had a sense that this was a lot of us. Our batteries are empty. But that God wants to restore and refresh us as we come and give him the praise with our lives. He wants to recharge us, strengthen our faith, give us hope. So earlier I mentioned that uh, during my seminary time, there was a time where I didn't worship God very much. And perhaps you, like me, are right now walking through a season where you've lost a sense of awareness of God's goodness, God's awesomeness. And this, this dry season, you know, who knows what the reason is. Maybe it's because of difficult things you're experiencing or the city is experiencing, this world is experiencing. Maybe it's because you've been got, got distracted, you're focusing on something else. But whatever the reason is, God is inviting us anew to turn our eyes to him and to remember his goodness in our lives, all the amazing things that he has done, maybe even show something new we haven't noticed before. And he's inviting us to, to humble ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in this, this refreshing and this renewing. So right now I want to invite the, the worship team to come up. And I want to invite you to close your eyes right now and to actually have a heart-to-heart -heart moment with God. You know, if you've been going through a, a difficult time, 
you know, just bring whatever's going on to, to God that honors him, that's, that's worship to him. It gives him praise when we do that. If, you, if you've been, yeah, just struggling to, to see God's goodness, maybe just ask God to even show you his goodness. But if you do see it, just start giving him praise for the things you're thankful for and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in and then praise him. So let's do that for a moment. In, in about 30 seconds or so, I'll, I'll say a closing prayer for us and then we'll go into worship. Tell God our, the things we're thankful for. Jesus, you know the space that we're in, where we are on this journey of, of worshiping and praising you. I pray right now that you meet every one of us and that you lead us in, in, in this, what, what you want us to do. And we thank you that, that you are the one who loves us, that you are the one who's at work in our lives, who changes our lives, who gives us hope and everything seems hopeless. We thank you that, yeah, you love us perfectly and that you are faithful. Maybe others are unfaithful, but you are always faithful to us and we praise you for that. And so I pray that as we pour out our, our thanksgiving to you right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you start refreshing and renewing us and recharging us, that you give us a sense of Holy Spirit of your presence and what you're doing, that you would strengthen our faith so that we can move forward in what you have for us.